Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. How do you remain focused in the midst of all the noise? And we can all agree there's a lot of noise everywhere you turn. Well, today's guest, Carissa Swanwick from Cultivate RE, shares some phenomenal tips and strategies to stay true to your goals in the midst of the distractions. Carissa is a successful buy and hold investor who is determined to grow her investment portfolio on her terms. On today's episode, we discuss how to create an investment strategy that works for you, how to eliminate the noise and stay true to your goals, and how to prepare yourself to jump quickly on any deal that comes your way. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. And we are back here on the Real Estate Investor Show. Very, very uh, excited to be back here with all of you ladies. And welcome, Carissa, to our show. Thank you. Good we're to gonna, be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to jumping into your story. And I think you're all going to really appreciate her story as, as all the wonderful ladies we have on the show and, and everything. But before we jump in, um, Andressa, I just wanted to share a little bit that we are at the final stages of a flip that we're doing. And uh, uniquely- The house it's a, next door? The house next door. So Great. it's actually, I don't know, the, the ladies listening to this, I mean, talk about flipping houses, then talk about flipping the house next to your own house. Is it an interesting, has been an interesting experience. <laughs> I got to write like a blog post about it or something. I don't know. But I mean, I, every day I'm like a stalker. I know if someone has been here or not, you know, in terms of uh, contractors. But we're actually at the beginning, the, the ending stage. And, and for the ladies listening that are flipping or looking to flip houses, you know, that's sometimes the hardest because, you know, you're in the nitty gritty, you're almost there, but, you know, you go through and you see one little mark on the, you know, the wall. So, you know, the punch list. So we created like a three page punch list on Sunday. My husband and I went through together. He's like, oh, I can do it. I'm like, no, you're not detail oriented enough. So <laughs> I need to do that with you. So that's something that I've been trying to do more of. And uh, our, both of our kiddos were sleeping. So it actually worked out really well. So I'm just excited, but it, it was really like really therapeutic to go through and go, okay, this is it. You know, this is the two pages full of all the, you know, details. So for the ladies listening, you know, the, 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 the last leg is sometimes the hardest because you're almost there and it's all those little details that can get in the way. So uh, we're hopefully- I can give you a quick tip on, on punch list. Okay, yeah. Here's what I felt. Sometimes if I make a punch list as I go, uh, like at the end, and I don't put in order of priority, they will have to do the punch list all over again because, okay, they did the paint first and not the pet, like other, other things that come first. So I go one step like ahead. Further, I like that. I yeah. Like that. So okay. I kind of like break it down a little bit for them. Like those are the things that I would like you to handle first. And then last thing, you know, is the, the paint because you will see like the painter going. Oh, yeah a hundred million times. It's just like, oh my gosh. And I would also suggest to the ladies, like touch everything. I know that sounds weird, but I mean, we were, we were on our, you know, looking at our countertop and then I just, I touched it and it was loose. So, you know, that got mm -hmm. added to the punch list, which was odd after the countertop came in the cabinet and the countertop was a little loose. So anyway, we're, we're at that, 
ending stage and it's just exciting, but it's, it's sometimes the nitty gritty. So, uh, so keep yeah. going, get, get, you know, keep, keep your, you know, eyes focused on the end, which, which we do. So we're, we're pretty, pretty excited. Um, but Carissa, awesome. welcome, welcome again. And, um, you know, we, uh, we shared a little bit about your background before, uh, you know, before the episode began, but for the ladies listening, you know, we always like to begin what propelled you to invest in real estate? Great question. It actually started uh, several years ago, many years ago, and I've always been invested or interested in real estate. You know, I was watching Bob Vila on PBS when I was a kid. You know, the original <laughs> home improvement shows back before we had it, you know, 24-7. So I actually studied architecture in college and got my uh, bachelor's degree in construction management. And... You know, that was at the time the tech boom was starting. I really got interested in technology, and that's actually where my career took off, is in IT, and had spent the last nearly 20 years in IT, but always had this yearning to get back into construction and get back into real estate. And so I was thinking, how do I get a job in real estate? How do I get a job in construction or engineering or custom home builder? And to me, it never quite fit because they were either looking for somebody who had already been in that job for 10, 20 years, or they were looking for somebody right out of college. And so I didn't fit the mold of either of those. So I thought, well, I'll just wait till I retire. I'll work my whole life. And when I retire, I can get back into real estate. I can get back into homes and architecture and construction. Well, you know, the same book that has affected so many investors, which Dad Dad read that and realized, I don't have to have a job in real estate. I can create my own income through real estate. And it's that really propelled me to the journey of thinking about real estate as an investment and as a way to build passive income and not about how to have a job in real estate. And from there, really dove in deep, learned, uh, spent about 18 months learning about how to invest, took, um, actually did the, the courses through the Rich Dad Consulting, took their 16-week course, dove into books, and practiced. And finally got up the courage and um, the finances to buy my first place. And that's really what propelled me is that lifelong feeling of how do I get back into this and realizing I had the power to do this. I didn't have to convince someone else to hire me. I could create my own income and create my own path through investing. That's awesome. You mentioned that um, you have a bachelor in construction management, right? Mm -hmm. And you were, you were the minority in your class. <laughs> yes. I can totally relate to that because when, when I was actually, I was pregnant and I was, it's just crazy to think what I did in the past, but uh, I was pregnant and doing my certificate in construction management and I was the only one too. So it is just a different dynamic, right? When you are surrounded by men. And I also did reach that as you did too with the courses. And it's funny, but I was not the minority. There were tons of women there. And I think that walking 
for to get that knowledge, to get that education and pay for the knowledge and not so much for the mistakes. Do you have that sense that women is always looking to gain more knowledge? I do. I do. I think that, you know, it comes back into um, one of your recent podcasts. It's not about that women are afraid to make decisions. It's that we understand how to manage the risk and how to mitigate that risk is through education. So yeah, we could go out and any of us could go buy a property with no background, with no education, with no knowledge, but the risk that that creates is far greater than the reward that it's going to give you either you know, the profit from selling it as a flip or the, you know, the income that you'd get after all expenses on a rental. So it really, to me, is important to invest in that education and to build that solid foundation. You know, the choice is still risky, and ultimately you have to make that choice. But to do it with a solid foundation of education, to me, is one of the greatest ways to mitigate risk that um, really sets you up for a longer-term success in, in this industry and not just by one place lose a lot of money and, you know, get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've had a really, really neat journey. I, I, I love some of the things that in terms of just preparing for today's interview, you were talking a little bit about your portfolio and having an investment strategy. So I, I, I love that term. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people just jump into this business. I mean, talk about lack of strategy. They just, they see something, they want to invest, and they know it's a good investment. So they just, they, they do a little more willy-nilly. And you were very, very clear in saying you are very intentional about your investment strategy and you know how big you want your portfolio to be and you don't let other kind of like investors intimidate you, right? In terms of, I just bought a, you know, 500 unit building and with no money down or whatever the, you know, latest and greatest blogs are out there and you've been able to really stay committed. So my question is twofold. I'd love, we'd love to learn a little bit about your investment strategy. How did you come up with it? How did you, you know, create it, right? So, and, and the ladies listening to this, I think that's all, all of our goals is to have an investment strategy that we can stay committed to and that we move towards and that we achieve, right? It's, a sim- it's as simple as that if you really had to put it down. But, but, but I love that you're, you, you said that you're very intentional about it and you don't allow yourself to get distracted. And I think that happens a lot in this business. So I know I'm asking like 15 questions in that, but my questions are, you know, how did you come up with your investment strategy? And then two, how do you like keep moving towards it? How do you make progress towards it? What do you do to ensure you're on that path? Sure. So first, the way that I came up with my investment strategy is again, it's based on my education. So I have an MBA with an emphasis in strategic management. So to me, having that solid strategy and sticking to it is just directly ties back to my graduate degree. And the way that I came up with my strategy is all about my why, right? We all talk about our why and that is central to me is why am I doing this? And my why is different than anyone else's why and everyone's why should be different. My why is is influenced by when I started. So if I would have started this in my 20s, my why would have looked a lot different because the place that I was in my life was different. But starting to invest in real estate at the time in my late 30s, now I'm in my early 40s, is completely different. So my why is to be able to provide a gap income for early retirement. 
So the first, you know, number of years of my career, it was all about building that retirement income, you know, using those retirement accounts. The thing that that does is it locks in that money until retirement age. Well, so how do I fill up the gap of that income between retirement age and when I would like to retire? So that's my why, is to fill that gap so that I don't have to work to retirement age but so I have some income, you know, when I'm in my 50s, so I have more power to decide when I work, how I work, where I work. And it's all driven off of that. So what is the income that I need annually to fill that gap? What's the place that I'm going to be? What's the place that my family is going to be in our lives at that time in our lives? What do we need? And so it's all been modeled around that is not around having this lifestyle that I'm going to sit on the beach every day, because honestly, that would get boring. But it's what are the goals that I want to achieve? And how do I want to spend my time? And how much money am I going to need to do that? And that really helps me stay focused on what my strategy is. The other thing that influences my strategy is my time today. What, how do I spend my time? How does my family need me to spend my time today? So, you know, when I started this, you know, the, the strategy has, the goals have changed over the time. So when I started this, I thought, I'm going to have 40 units in five years. Well, the reality of being able to purchase 40 units in five years requires me to spend time that's not in keeping with my whole family's goals. That would take on more risk. We would have to make really hard financial decisions. And that's just not something that was best in the best interest of my entire family. So that's edited some. Right, so now it's not 40 units in five years, but how do I get to 20 units? Okay, well then how, the way that we get to 20 units is what if I get to 10 units and pay them all off? And then I can pay cash for the next 10 units. So I don't, my strategy continues to evolve, but it stays very consistent to be um, able to achieve my why. And that is how I can work within my you know, my current reality, working full time, raising kids, you know, being a supportive wife, doing everything that needs to be done and still be able to invest in real estate to achieve my why. And that helps to kind of eliminate the noise. Everyone's whys and their strategies, that's great for them. And I, I don't want to come off as, you know, downplaying anyone else's strategy because that, you know, you, you got to live your own life and, and do your own thing. But for me, I want to, you know, achieve the things that are important to me and also help to share that to be able to tell others that it's okay to grow at your own pace too. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned that your investment philosophy is to invest in homes you can be proud of and the tenants want to show off to their friends. I think that that was so interesting and realistic. And you also said that you don't buy property just based on the numbers. What are the other criteria that you're looking for? Yeah, great question. So one really important criteria to me because I do work full time is it has to be within driving distance. I need to be able to drop off material on the way to work. I need to be able to meet somebody at the, at the house over lunch. I need to be able to easily be there for a delivery or if there's an emergency. That's important to me. And other investors, that's, you know, they have 
other things that are important to them, but that's important to me is for it to be in a close proximity to my house and to my work. It also has to have a certain feel to it. Um, you know, I, I have to feel like it's a livable space. I want to have a certain kind of freshness when you walk in. If the house is too chopped up and if you can't actually fit a bed in the bedroom, then that's not a place that I would enjoy living. And it's hard for me to convince myself that other people would enjoy living there as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, actually, I want to circle back, Carissa, on something you mentioned earlier about eliminating the noise. So often we, we, I'm thinking about myself and thinking about a lot of conversations I've had with Andressa. You know, so much of it in, in, this, in this business is working your strategy so you achieve what you want to achieve on your own terms, which, which you said beautifully. And I think that, you know, that's a great message. But the other part of it is in order to do that, you have to eliminate the noise. So I'm curious for you, because you mentioned it, and, and I think it's so relatable to so many of us. I mean, talk about the noise, right? The noise is everywhere. Uh, how do you eliminate the noise in your own life? And, and what, is, what does that noise look like for you? That's number one. But number two, how do you eliminate it? And, and can you eliminate it? I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's, it's just everywhere you go. Yeah, I try not to eliminate it completely because I think there are still interesting pieces and strategies you can learn even when people are implementing a strategy that's different than yours. You know, I think some of the noise that I eliminate is, you know, as, as the market has changed and as buying up MLS has become very, very difficult and starting to um, get hooked into wholesalers, you can get tempted by the properties that are available for purchase because they are very cheap. But the noise to me is that's a part of town that's not within my strategy. So I'm not going to get tempted by that $15,000 purchase because that doesn't fit within the model and the target area that I am looking to invest. So that's some of the noise. You know, other, the other parts of the noise are just the, the mentality that it's all about the cash. You know, I see a lot on social media, lots of pictures of, you hey, look at the check that I got. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, it's not about the check. It's about this bigger thing. That turns me off. If I ever see anyone holding a check, I'm like, I will never do business with you. It's so hard for me to do business with them. I'm like, turn off. Like, that's just an immediate, ah, you know, like I would never just put a check on Facebook and say, this is what we just made. I, I, yeah. who, do that? who does that? Yeah. I don't get it, it. it goes back to my investment philosophy. It's properties that I can be proud of and my tenants want to show off to their friends. To me, if it's just about the check, then that's, that's noise that's getting in the way of my investment philosophy. Because I can go out and make money, right? There are plenty of opportunities to go out. If that's all that I'm focused on is the check, there's ways to get there. But to me, it's bigger than that. And it's around actually giving nice quality rentals to people who want to rent. And it's not just about doing the cheapest job with a minimal you know, amount of work that's necessary. It's about giving people good places to live and the money is secondary. The money will come if you do the right thing. So if it's just about the check, then I feel like you're kind of missing a little, you're missing the bigger picture. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. Plus, it's just sort of cheesy. I mean, it just is. It just is. <laughs> so in terms of your actual investments, so do you have single family? Or are they multifamily? What's your current focus? I have both. Um, okay. I have single family and multifamily, the smaller multifamily, so duplex. You know, I think it goes back to my interest in architecture. I probably will always be drawn to the smaller units. I like the idea of giving someone a home. Um, I probably would stay in the one to four unit range. Uh, you know, when you get into the larger units, then there's a bit more of an operation. Um, it, to me, and I might be wrong, but to me it feels a bit more like a job. I already have a job. I'm looking for passive income. So the bigger the unit, the more kind of operations it would need to have around it. And that's just, again, doesn't fit within what I'm trying to achieve. So I, you know, duplexes are really kind of hard to find in my target area. So those are always probably going to be um, a smaller part of my portfolio than the single family. But I love a single family house. I just think it's such a great um, transition spot for tenants moving out of an apartment, but maybe they're not quite ready to buy. And that's really those target um, clientele that I'm trying to attract. How, would, how did you find your last um, property? So, you know, I know that's a big, you know, issue for a lot of people, right, is finding, finding properties these days. That's probably one of the probably biggest challenges. Yeah, I have been fortunate. I've actually found all of mine on the MLS. Great. But as the market's gotten tighter, that you have, I find that you have to act immediately. So this last property, I put an offer sight unseen within hours of it coming on the market. And I was able to do that because I had practiced. I knew my market. I knew my numbers. I knew what I thought the renter needed to be just by looking at the pictures. And I acted immediately. The other strategy that I did on this last one, which is the first time I've done this, is I wrote a letter to the seller. And I gave the seller an idea of why I was interested in this property, what my plans were for the property. So it gave the seller, again, a fuller picture of what I was after, and it wasn't just a financial transaction. You know, the seller had owned this place for 30 years, so there was obviously going to be some amount of emotional connection, and I wanted, I wanted the seller to know that I was going to take good care of it after. So again, I've been fortunate, but the, the market is getting really, really tight, um, here in Kansas City on MLS. So knowing that I'm probably going to have to start looking elsewhere. I want to just to like put a magnifier exactly on a, f a few things that you were saying. First is focus. Really understanding what, what you're looking for so you can see it when you find it. Sometimes we get very distracted with different types of strategies and keep looking and say, oh, the grass is always greener on the neighbor's house and that type of stuff. And then you get so distracted, overwhelmed, and then paralyzed. So I commend you for really understanding what you're looking for and targeting that so you will find it. The second thing is like being prepared. So when the deal comes, you're already good to go. So asking ourselves, okay, if if that property that I'm looking for comes this afternoon, am I prepared? Am I pre-qualified? My banker already is good to go or my private lender already, it's good to go. Or my title company is good to go. Everything, it's already, 
you can act as quick as you did, that will determine if you get the deal or not. Mm -hmm. Now, if you put the offer in and then you're going to look at your finances and it's good. I don't know where you are, but in Philadelphia, it's a small world. And if you do business like that, if you tell people, yes, I will close in seven days. And if you don't close in seven days or five days or two days, whatever those days are, it is just no way to do business. So either you are prepared and you have your shit together or you don't. And that will determine if you get the deal or not. So you were able to get your last deal because you knew your market and you were prepared to do it. You were able to act as quick as you did, especially in this market, because you had all the ducks lined up. Absolutely. So, yeah. And in this last one, I actually had changed my entire team. Wow. The, this, right before this last one. So in your point about preparation, I had already found my right my new lender. I had already found my new property manager. I had already, and I already but you know found my new agent. I already had been in conversations with my insurance company. So everything was already lined up. So that all we had to do is hit go. And to me, again, it's back to that risk mitigation. It's back to what's the healthy environment for my family. I can't imagine the stress, the additional stress that I would have been under hitting go and then saying, oh no, where's the money going to come from? And there's so many pieces to that. So like, I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question to be prepared because you've done it and we, you know, the three of us have, have been, you know, been able, could move quickly and, and that's key. So you, you knew your market. In other words, you, I, for the ladies listening to this, let's, let's break this down because yeah. I think that, that it, it stifles people really in a lot of ways or they know pieces of it, but they don't know everything. And, and I think for people who are cautious, you know, they need to have it laid out like to the T. Um, so from an internal perspective, you knew your market. In other words, the area that you wanted to invest. Did you have it so finite that you said, okay, these are the streets that I want to invest, or this is the neighborhoods I want to invest? I would imagine you did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but when I started, I didn't know that. Okay. So when I started, actually what I would do is I would get a collection of listings. I would go out over my lunch hour and I would drive and I would understand what were the environments, what were the streets, what were the neighborhoods, and then I'd go back and research those. And I would pretend that I was gonna put an offer on those so that I understood what was even the makeup of that, of that property in that market. Then I would look to research, what does rent go for that? You know, So I really, spent, it wasn't just about, do I like to shop in that neighborhood? It was, what is the rental market? what is the right price that I should expect in that neighborhood? And I, it was a lot of legwork, but that gives me the confidence to say, okay, below this street number, rents are going to go down $100 a month. Yeah. Above the street number, I can push rents a little bit more. And, you know, across the street, it's still developing. It's a little, it's a, you know, I could get a cheaper house, but it's probably going to be a long play. But if I stay over on this side, okay, it's more of a sure market. I'm going to pay a little bit more, but it's a little more stable and I could get a little higher rent. So that doesn't just happen. You have to take the time and do the legwork. But once you know that, you can actually build a really good relationship with your agent that way. Because then your agent knows that you know what you're talking about. And you guys have more of a partnership than 
just somebody with some extra cash in their hand wanting to try out this investment business. You actually are a student and um, the agent's going to be able to spend more time with you because they know that you're in this and that you've done your homework. Yeah, yeah you, made, you made a good point. That would be like this number two list. If you yeah, say. right. Like telling exactly what you want to your realtor. So he knows when, if he has some, you know, out of the MLS deal that is just coming up, is going to be listed and he knows your criteria, that can go. Another thing that you mentioned you did, I did with lenders too. I was like, okay, if I were to purchase this property with all those numbers, would that be something that you would be interested in lending or not? And why not? So I play that with the lender. So we will find a couple of like, oh, I understand. This is why you would not, or this is why you would. So if I can find exactly what that is, and I send to the lender all, you know, it's really like a spreadsheet with everything that we already spoke about. And yeah. I'll say, you, you, he, we hit all the criteria here. The quicker I, I make things easier for them, quicker they can give me an answer. I usually get answers within 24 hours because I already, we already have that back and forth going on. So it helps a lot when you role play before the deal comes. Yeah, and being responsive is so important, you know, especially with a lender, right? The more responsive you are, the more organized you are in your documents, the more likely they're going to want to do business with you because they know that you are in this for real and that you're going to be easy to work with, that you're going to submit your receipts on time, that you're going to do things according to your plan, that you're going to manage your construction budget the right way because they have a choice too. You know, they, they have a choice to do business with you the same way that you have a choice to do business with them. So you really have to bring up your game, but also talk honestly. You know, don't, don't blow smoke about what you think you might buy if that's not really what you're going to buy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I was just going to mention, too, when you're looking at all that, and I'm sure you did this, too, do you know what people are interested in from a rental perspective? In other words you know, what are they even looking for? Are they looking for high-end rentals? I mean, the rental market is so vast. You know, you can go from basic to, you know, to granite countertop. I mean, we don't put granite in our rentals, but there are rentals in certain areas that demand that type of approach. So I think that's a, as an under, in other words, like, do people want to rent space in that area? I mean, so many people, I think one of the biggest challenges that I hear, I had an investor call me a couple of weeks ago and he said, the cash flow on this property is amazing. And, uh, you know, would this be something you're interested in? I'm like, no one, I, no one wants to rent there. Like, I, I don't know who would want to rent there. In other, <laughs> so why would, yeah, the cash flow, if you actually have somebody renting the cash flow. Oh, great. so he was saying that there was a cash flow, but there's, was it vacant? Oh, it was, it was actually, it was vacant, but he was saying the area was very strong. And I was oh. saying, knowing what I know of the area, there's, there's not a pool of tenants that even want to rent in that area or that particular neighborhood. And he was not even considering, now he was trying to sell a property, right? So what, what does he care? But, but I think that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a big issue in this, in this business because I think so many times people, especially new investors will come to me and say, here are the numbers. This is an awesome deal. Um, you know, do you want a partner or whatever? And, 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 and I look at the, the address in the area and I know the area and I'm like, who is going to rent this space? Yeah. If you had tons of people interested, that's a great deal. But no one wants to rent in that area. It was like, 
you know, a ton, I was very far from a, you know, major kind of development area. So my point in saying that is I, I think you have to, like anything, would you invest in a product that there are no customers for? I mean, people would laugh at that, right? Obviously you wouldn't, but it's the same thing of buying a rental yeah. with quote unquote good cash flow. You got to have people who are going to give that to you. I mean, just to give you another story, we, we, we started in Trenton, which is an urban environment here in Jersey. It's a capital estate. We got, we got going and we bought a commercial building. And it was vacant at the time. So we ran our numbers and, you know, <laughs> let's just think about this because, I mean, we've made lemonade out of lemons, if that's the phrase or however <laughs> the phrase goes. But early on, you know, this wasn't the most strategic. Talk about a strategic plan, Carissa. I mean, we were lacking in that. But anyway, when we looked at it, we said, wow, the cash flow on this building is amazing. You know, we ran our numbers and, and, and it was true. It was true kind of cash flow if you had a tenant paying you the rent that you were demanding. Well, what ended up happening was the market crashed and there was a couple things against this. But regardless, there weren't customers, quote unquote, tenants that needed that amount of space in the area that we bought the building. So... We could have, you know, we were a little more seasoned. We would have probably known that, but we were newer in the business. But now we've, you know, we've made the building at a, you know, we've made the building right. And we have a bunch of small tenants that there's tons of interest in. But God, if we knew that, we wouldn't have bought that building. And now again, we've made a great thing out of it. It's a great asset for us. It'll be hopefully something we'll have a long time in our life. And it's one of those kind of core assets for us. But it was a, it was a tough couple of years, <laughs> you know? I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I mean, so... We're young and foolish, but we, we made it work. But my point in saying that is know your customer base. Do people want to rent there? And, and if they do, what does that look like? What, is the, what do they want to rent? Do they want you know, high end? Do they want basics? What do they want? And is that something you can give them? Basis your numbers. So, Absolutely. You know, I look at my market and say, where's the closest Target? Where's their Trader Joe's? Where's their Whole Foods? Because... Those big retail places draw in great tenants and it creates a vibrancy of the area and it creates a convenience of living too. So, you know, it's not just about what's the structure on that lot, but what is it, what would it be like to live there? How convenient is it for someone to live there? Yeah. Putting yourself in, in people's shoes. It's okay. Yeah, one thing that I always look, like I walk around. I look at the paper, it makes sense on paper, and I walk around. Sometimes this property is located right next to a bar or something that is very loud. And I was like, oh, damn it, it looks so great on paper, but now it does not look so great anymore because they have an open area on the second floor where they do live music and guess where the bedroom is right next to it so it's it just became like okay no and uh we we're finishing up a triplex in south philadelphia and exactly what you're saying carissa looking at where where are the commercial where are the great restaurants um the subway also is something important for us because even though we are in south philadelphia we are just four or five stops from center city so folks that cannot afford really like the rent in Center City, they can afford a little bit outside and still be there like in a reasonable amount of, of time. Our tenants are picky in the sense of they want granite, 
they won uh, washer and dryer. So I know that. And if I don't offer that, my rent is going to go down. So look around and see, okay, the top dollar rents over here, what they're getting, the middle, in the middle of the, the market, what they're getting, what they're offering. And then it really like, it goes back to where we started this conversation about studying and doing your homework way prior of things happening. And I think that that will save you a lot of time in the long, long run and, and really like pay off. Yeah. Chris, for you, you know, this, you know, this movement, this community, this show, what we're up to is, is obviously to, you know, to teach women just strategies on how to be more effective in their investing business and, and money and all those kind of things that sometimes women don't always talk about. But also this, the idea of balancing, you know, and balancing your life, balancing, because women just, they're not singly focused. They're not just this or that. That's just not how women are, you know, that's just not my experience with a lot of women we know. And, you know, they got like 15 things going on usually, not at the same time, but they have a lot in their world. So you have children, you have a, you have a, you have a full-time job that you enjoy and you're growing a portfolio. So what is your secret if there is a secret? You know, what is it for you that if you do this, you're able to make it all work? I don't know that it's a secret. I, it's really just having realistic goals and goals that work for me. And there's, there's others who think, oh, a 20 unit portfolio, that's way too small for me. That's great. But that's right. That's right for me. And so I'm not going to be buying 20 units a year because that's not going to fit within the balance that I need. I'm going to be buying one, two, three units a year. And that works for me because that allows me to still build that income again for my goal of my why. It allows me to maintain a sound financial portfolio within our personal finances. It allows me to take the kids to soccer practice and be at the baseball games. So that's what works for me. And that's really where I wanted to start cultivate and get that word out and that it's okay to grow at a pace that works for you. Because I want people to know that you don't have to have an enormous portfolio to be legitimate. You create and you decide if you're legitimate. And if you're acting and you're taking action toward your goals, that is as legitimate as it gets. Amen, the sister. Size oh, yes. portfolio, the amount of income that you're making, none of that matters. It matters that you are acting toward your goal. And that's really what I want people to understand. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the quality versus the quantity or even better does this fit where i want to be does this fit within my balanced life quote-unquote balanced life whatever that looks like instead of saying yeah my goal has this number in front of it goes back to the check you know let's go beyond the quantity let's go beyond the numbers how does it reflect in my lifestyle that's what really matters and not not the quantity of units you have you might have like 80 percent cash flowing uh negatively 
and you still have those numbers. So it doesn't really matter. So thank you for touching base on that and really like standing for your lifestyle, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Carissa, for you, you know, and you have a website. You need to share a little bit about share a little bit about that to the listeners, the women listening. I mean, you're sharing what's working, what's not, your your mistakes. I know you you really have a, a neat um, cultivate re. So if yeah, if you don't mind, share that a little bit with the listeners, and you could share a little bit about how women can um, reach reach out to you. Yeah. So cultivate re is really um, my place that I talk to my friends. You know, I would be at soccer practice and my, we'd be, you know, doing a run and working out. And they say, tell me, how do I get into this? What, how do you do this? How do you find the time? And I thought, let me just actually document that. Because if one person has that question, a lot of people are going to have that question. So I tried to be really, give really practical advice. There's a ton of information available. There's a ton of books, websites, blogs, all of that. I'm trying to give practical, very actionable information while I am learning it, and, and I'm not an expert, and that's why I called it Cultivate, is because we're all trying to grow this at the same time. I'm not espousing that I'm an expert in what I'm talking about. I highlight my mistakes, what I did wrong, the fact that I used the wrong interest rate when I modeled the lost property, and it's okay. We're going to make these mistakes, but what do we do instead of that? So just launched um, early this year. It's been a lot of fun uh, getting to connect with others and and to get feedback on, you know, what's resonating and, you know, what resources are going to be helpful, you know. So they talk about building a team. What does that mean? Well, here, here are some things to ask an agent when you're trying to find a new agent. So I really want to give people those very actionable ideas and things that they can put into action. So they can, they can reach me. Um, they can find me at obviously cultivate-re.com is my website. Um, I can be reached at Carissa at cultivate-re.com is my email. I'm also on social media at cultivate underscore re where I, you know, post pictures of the projects, talk about what paint colors did I use, talk about where did I go wrong, what did I think that I could do myself that I needed to hire somebody else out instead. Awesome. All this great info, you're going to have on our show notes. So you can go there and just click on the links and you can get in touch with Carissa. Now we're going to go to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? So for me, it is Thrive by Ariana Huffington. And that was such a transformational book in the way that it created a balanced mentality in my life. And that really started me on, a, on a, an important journey to um, create fulfillment and balance in what it really means to thrive in your life. Wow. It ties up to the next question. What's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? You know, to me, it comes back to those goals, is creating goals that maintain balance. It's not having unrealistic goals that don't fit and create imbalance, and it's staying true to those goals. So the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? I find uh, Mel Robbins terribly inspiring. You know, she is, um, has a, such a great... Um, direct way of getting you to push through your fears and to act. And that is so important in achieving any kind of goal is 
stop making excuses and just do that one next thing. And then the thing after that. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when you, I first heard about her, I'm like, is she related to Tony Robbins? Because, you know, this is ironic that they both are, they have that, you know, motivational type of, but (laughs) they're not, I know they're not now, but it's just kind of funny. But yeah, she's uh, pretty neat. I don't know much about her, but I've been impressed with what I've seen. I have to learn a little more about her. She seems like a really neat speaker. Well, thank you so much, Carissa. Uh, You've been, um, been such a breath of fresh air in terms of just, you know, figuring out what you want, staying true to it and, and making it happen. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing what you're up to with your website uh, and, and your learned lessons, because I think a lot of people talk about their successes, but they don't talk about what's not working. And it's easy to talk about successes, I think. I think it's harder to talk about what's not working. And I think it takes a cer- certain person that's humble, but open and, and authentic. So thank you for, for sharing that on, on the internet and sharing with people like what's real. So thank you for that too. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.